Jeff Wilson started covering the Texas Rangers in 2008, though he'll never forget 2021. Out on his own, he decided it was time to do a podcast, but his wheels were spinning until a nerd came along. There's no going back now. Welcome to the Texas Rangers Baseball Podcast. Here's your host, Jeff Wilson, and the recliner nerd himself, John Moore. All right, guys. Welcome to the Texas Rangers Baseball Podcast, episode 31. John Daniels is going to be on the show. You may notice some things that are a little bit different. We're actually in a studio, the Roxo Media House Studios in Fort Worth. Uh, John Moore, who usually does this intro, he's still he's still there. There he is. I didn't get fired. I'm That's right. He, he's still here. Uh, but look, I, I'm I'm doing the intro today because I wanted to talk about what's going on. You you, you see what we're doing with the podcast. Um, we're going to be in studio from from here on out. I mean, this is this is. Uh, very exciting. Talk about uh, Rangers today. Don't worry, don't on. worry, John. I'm getting there. <laughs> uh, but but this podcast is, is is this is the next step. We we've always wanted to, to to do something like this. Very exciting. And as John mentioned, RangersToday.com has launched. Uh, what is that? Well, that's my Substack newsletter that is now not on Substack. It's the same coverage. It's the same price. Five ninety nine a month. Sixty dollars a year. And uh, you know, if you're already if you're already one of the nearly 1,300 subscribers, you got an email in your inbox showing you what to do. Your account's live. You just got to set a password, and boom, you're off. So uh, th- this is exciting times. It's a good time to be um, getting into getting into this website, getting your paid subscription. We're, we're five games into the season, John, and uh, uh, I think it's 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 time to time to dive into what what's gone on so far. This is going to be great, uh, John. Yeah, I welcome, mean, welcome to the studio. This is fantastic, guys. Look, I, I know for all of you that have watched the YouTube channel um, and and watched the stuff that we put out there and listened to the podcast, we can't thank you enough. But this, we knew this was coming. We finally started hinting about it. Yeah, about a month ago, but we knew this was coming. This is great. This studio, this setup is fantastic. Uh, I, I'm going to have a big head when I go home. My wife's going to think I'm famous or something. This is crazy. Um, yeah, let's get into this. Look, it's time to panic, right? Because they're one and four. They're obviously tanking to get the first pick oh, there in the draft go, next year. No one saw the Rockies. The Rockies are going to be in the World Series. They're winning the, uh, the National League West. Yeah, Dodgers right. are out of it already. Clearly. There's no way. So, I mean, relax, folks. I mean, this is five games in. We've seen things we'd like. Pitching, we knew was going to be a question. Here we go. So this, that's what it is. What did you see? Well, I mean, it's five games, and everything is magnified at the start of a season. And so, uh, if you if you're in a slump, you're in the worst slump ever. And if you're <laughs> if you're hitting 500, you're going to be the batting champion, you know, and go exactly. to the Hall of Fame. It's uh, there. I mean, there might be some discouraging trends in there that that potentially could could be a problem going forward. Maybe with the bullpen and the, the inexperience there. And uh, I, I think it kind of gets sorted out though once the starters are able to to log more innings. Right. Um, but you know, I, I guess offensively, you look at Marcus Simeon, you're like, man, he's a bust, right? So he's a bust. <laughs> he's having a <laughs> he's having a terrible time uh, here through five games. But apparently, he was sick in Toronto. Yeah, what we found that. out last night. So, uh, you know, I saw him that night in Toronto, Friday night, and on opening opening day, and he seemed fine. You know, so I who who knows? But. Uh, it wasn't COVID because he was able to get out of the country, so that's good. Uh, yeah, obviously. Yeah, how about that? So I go to Toronto. You have to, I had to fill out two different apps on my phone to to make sure they had all my information. Right. And then to get out, you got to get a COVID test. Right. So I had to go to the ballpark six uh, seven o'clock game, seven thirty first pitch in Canada, and I had to get there at ten to get a COVID test, and they didn't have to mm. jam it up my nose, but they had to tickle it and everything. Everything was fine, but Man, you know, and and, and I, I like I like Toronto. It's a very clean they're, city, they're diverse. It difficult, but man, I I don't know that I'm going to go to to Toronto again, and, unless I absolutely have to. And and that doesn't even talk about the customs. It took me two and a half hours to get through customs. Oh my gosh. I made my flight by four minutes. But um, coming anyway, home, coming home. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. But um, yeah. Anyway. A little off off topic there. Well, but. no. Well, you know what? We're we're winging on today. This is fantastic in here, and you, you were there. And I think people don't realize that the content you're going to get here. Like we said, Jeff's a daily beat writer that covers his team every day. The podcast that we've come in every week. And you know, I had four people come up to. We're going to talk about Jack Leiter. We were out there last Saturday. Yeah. We're going to talk about that later. I had four or five people come up to me, praise the podcast because it was weekly. Yeah. And they were getting it weekly, even through the off season, which you and I kept that going yeah. during the off season. Yeah. 
And, and we were thinking of things to talk about. We had guests on every week, but we had stuff to talk about. The lockout, even through the lockout, we weren't on lockout. We got to do our stuff. <laughs> no, we were not on lockout. So, uh, you know, some of the things, I w you, we were out there opening day. We did our little pre-thing opening day. We'll, uh, hopefully tomorrow I'll try to do that. I'm getting out of town for a couple yeah. days with the kids uh, before tomorrow's game. Um, but I, I tell you, the bat, I don't think the offense is the problem no. on this team. And everybody relaxed on pitching. These guys, everybody's got to remember, the guys that were already on the 40-man roster, this is really the last week of spring training. Really the this last is, two. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is when they're ramping up to go. So while they're finding their way, the hitters are going to be ahead of the pitchers right now. Yeah, yeah. And look, at spring training, it, it's always standard. You know, the, right. the first start is two, two innings or 30 pitches, whatever comes exactly. first. Then they go up, a, up by 15 in an inning and, and, and get to the point where on opening day, they should be able to pitch seven innings. Well, guess what? They're not, they're not close to that. You're going to get yeah. another start. Dane Dunning, who went five innings, the only one to go five innings so far. Well, he got into the fifth. No, he finished the fifth. Uh, Martin, oh, no, Dunning did. Okay, yeah. that's right. Um, he'll, he'll, he might get six. You know, he, he's not going to pitch a complete game against the Angels on Thursday night. And, and uh, that's just where baseball is right now that's you know the lockout say say what you will about the lockout and what it did to the game and the popularity of the sport and left it black eye which is, all those things are true but baseball is not going to be the same i i don't think until until maybe mid-may because you, you you know hitters did not get get not get their normal bats relievers worked five games instead of eight or nine like they usually do right and then starters four innings i mean come on you know and and so the rosters are expanded yes there's extra relievers, sure, but they're they're all getting going to get worn out here right. early on, and it's not going to be pretty. And, and their stuff's not dialed in yet. They're not they're not built up to begin with, and, and now they're having this extra workload, this extra adrenaline, third deck, all that stuff that goes into it. And it, it's it's kind of like they have to take a step back here initially and then go forward. So exactly, and it's not just the Rangers; it's everybody. It's yeah. everybody. And, and, and even on the offensive side and people, I mean, people so overreact in the fan side. And I get that for Marcus Simeon, you know, I think Halleck brought it up last night. They said, look, if this was the middle of June, we wouldn't be worried about what, right. what Simeon's done. It's that little run you get in, but it's the beginning of the season. He just signed the big contract. Marcus Simeon is going to be Marcus Simeon. Yeah. So, it, I mean, look, this won't be prolonged. I think eventually this <clears> goes in. What Woody said was interesting. He, he's trying to, maybe Marcus is taking a lot on his shoulders, yeah. and he's trying to make him understand, look, you don't have to carry this team. We've got a lineup now that can produce, and this lineup does produce. i tell you what I've noticed about five games in that was so not like last season. You never feel this team doesn't have a shot to get back in this thing. Yeah. Last night, they would have taken the lead had uh, – uh, what's his name? Not Seager. Made that, uh, yeah, well, Seager's home run. Yeah, if that Seager Randall done, that catch was robbed, robbed a three-run homer, and they were down three to one at the time, fifth inning. All of a sudden, boom, they're in the lead. They turned the game over to different guys in the bullpen. Absolutely. And uh, and what a catch! You give yeah, the guy credit. Uh, that was yeah, fantastic. Obviously. Right. Although you could see it from where Jeff and I were sitting, I saw him tracking it, and I was like, okay, that guy's got to play for this thing. But yeah. it looked like from where we were, that was going to carry out. But that was just a heck of a play. Well, and it, he he hit it very high. So yes. it allowed it allowed Grichik to to get a chance to to get under it. But um, anyway, the offense the offense to your point is fine. That was their worst game yesterday. And, right. Uh, they only had four singles from two guys. Right. They had five walks, which is is, is a good sign. But um, you know, you look at what Mitch Garver's done so far. Mm -hmm. I think he's been a really good a really good addition to the, to the offense. You know, he, he's very. You can tell that I, he seems kind of intimidating in the box. I think. Right. Uh, it doesn't doesn't budge, uh, fights, draws walks. Yes, know, knows what he's doing. Professional hitter, kind of kind of a adds to a, a position where the Rangers haven't had a strength been a strength, strong offensively for a long time. Exactly. And then uh, takes pressure off of Nate Lowe and takes pressure off of Adolis Garcia, and, and who have done well. Yeah, I mean, Adol well, Garcia's a little bit, but the Nets <clears throat> look fantastic. Yeah, and Adoles had a, a nice game Monday. You know, he, he's drawn some walks. Yep. And I think that's important for him after last season where he chased a lot. Shoot, I, I, he didn't even get to 40 walks last year, and he had like 600 plate appearances, and he's at four now. And I, right. I'm not going to say he's going to walk 100 times this year, but if he can walk more, he can't be too passive. That's the thing that, that Chris Woodward said. He likes that Adoles is is, is – seeing the ball better, taking pitches, laying off pitches out of the strike zone. Right. But 
if there's a if there's a ball in the zone, he needs to be ready to hit it. And maybe there's a little passiveness, and you don't want Adolis Garcia to be to be passive. Yeah, and that's that's finding your way when you're getting in there. They've obviously preached to him. You need to be more selective at the plate. We want you to hit the pitches that you're you're the the pitches you're going to drive and do that. We want your walks to go up. He's done that. He's shown that. But yes, he's laid off a little bit. And you've seen some that were right down there that he could have gone after, and he's laid off. And it's nice to get a walk, but. There's a, there's a reason they like your bat in the number four or five hole. It's because when you hit a ball and you get a barrel on it, it'll go 450 feet. And so, I mean, yeah, Woody was talking about that. Tell me who you say, okay, first of all, let's go to the bats. Okay. Who, who's impressed you so far? I mean, Seeger, obviously, that's an easy one. He's hitting 300 and what yeah. he's done at the plate. Who's somebody that's kind of stood out? Well, I, I talked about Garver. I think he's been very good. Um, I. You know, M Miller, what he's done has, has been good. Uh, he, he knows his role. Uh, he, you know, the, one, one thing you can talk, you can say for sure is the guys who are coming off the bench are ready to hit. Um, so, so that's good, and, and that that just adds give, gives the manager a chance to mix and match, and, and makes the offense better. You know, and I know he, I know he's only played two games, but you know, Nick Solak looks like he's uh, in a, in a good place, and <laughs> and uh, you know, I'm sure he wants to be an everyday player right now. He's platooning. He's only playing against left-handed pitchers, but you know what? Um, if, if if he can be if he can be good, if he can make make the other half of that Brad Miller thing work. Yep. That's 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 not a bad bad little little position. And I and, and I especially like that because before the season when I did my little armchair GM mm -hmm. things that I like to do, Solak is my guy, and that I kept saying I don't see a place on the team. Yeah. And I did that a couple of times. And you, I love it when a guy earns his way. When you bolt your way into the team and you make <laughs> the team, and then you're doing what you're doing, you can't help but take your hat off on the pitching side. Who has stood out pitching-wise that, that, you know, look, none of the pitching has been fantastic. On the starting pitching side, maybe Hearn, who, who, who looked yeah. okay for what we had in the rotation. Um, tell me some pitchers you were impressed with so well, far. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do like what Martin Perez did uh, last night. Just so did I. His, his ability to um, manage the game, you know, he, he – there were a couple moments where he, he found himself in trouble, and he, you know, as you joked, he hit two guys and then immediately got double play balls. But yeah, he, I was he, set, that's what I said. He was yeah. setting up the double play. He, <laughs> Martin knows how to pitch. Uh, I, you know, his results have been wild, pretty inconsistent the last couple of years in Boston. Right. Uh, not an easy division to pitch in, not an easy park to pitch in. But uh, he, he's a different guy. You know, he, he's more mature. I think those those innings would have blown up on the 2016 Martin Perez. Let's say, right? Uh, he he would have gotten miffed at a missed call or something. You know that that stuff he's get under his skin. Uh, you know he he is is different uh, from a maturity standpoint, which is which is great and, and what you would expect to see. But he he can make pitches, and I, I think that just he's going to be able to give innings. He's going to be able to to take a load off the bullpen as the as the season progresses. So. I'm a Martin Perez fan. I've known him since 2000, uh, 2008. It's the first time I met him. He was 17 at the time. So, um, but but I thought I thought he pitched well. And I personally, when you're looking at something like Jordan Lyles and Fultonevich last year, I think Martin Perez is a step up from that. Personally, that's sure. me. Per and maybe I have a bias because I did like him when he came up with the Rangers originally. I loved him as a pitcher then. Yeah, every once in a while it gets tends to get a little bit away from him, but that <clears> two-seamer <throat> works for him. He has gotten so many double plays with that two-seamer and that yeah. sinker. That, that, and, and all you need from Martin Perez, you need about 120 to 50 innings is what you need. You need that now because there are guys at AAA or in AA that everyone is going to say they think they're ready to be here. They're just really not. We just yeah. need to see them get some work and get those innings built up. Yeah, and you know, and, and like I said, on the, the bullpen side, you're, you're going to – it's just going to take them a little while. They're, right. they're younger. Uh, they, they need to get their their appearances under him. I think Josh Spores and, and John King have pitched well since opening day. You know they weren't right. very good there in the, in the opener, but they, they've been good uh, their last two times. So I think that's that's kind of an encouraging sign. And right. yeah, we'll see we'll see what happens. You know, we'll see. Uh, there are a lot of guys on option who can who can come up. Um, I I don't know that. Uh, you know, there was some talk last night. In, in the group that that Spencer Patton his days might be numbered I don't I don't necessarily agree with that it's been five games you know and they're you know they're like oh well we gotta have Nick Snyder up you know Nick Snyder's in the minor leagues because he pitched at three different levels last year sure uh, he it was his first year off of Tommy John surgery I believe and 
you know, there's no need to rush them. I know, no. I know people want to win and they see the $561 million that was exactly. spent on December 1st, but this team is still building. Right. This and team's not going to win the division this year, and, and basically the Rangers have, have, have said that. Um, the, it, the pitching has to develop, and, and, exactly. and that's why they didn't invest in pitching. They want this year to, to see the pitching develop, and if it doesn't, the next, next offseason, that's when they spend. And that's also the reason that when you're looking down in AAA and you see Leody Tavares and you see Bubba Thompson, who have gotten off to hot starts, the reason they are not going to be up here right now is because they're not going to play every day up here right now. You've got an outfield of Miller, uh, Calhoun, and Garcia. You don't need Leody Tavares up here sitting on the bench doing what Eli White's doing. That guy's perfect to sit on the bench while those guys get every day at bats in AAA and keep this thing going. If they keep this going for a month or two, yeah, then they're going to have to be looked at to come up here, especially if someone's struggling. One thing we know Woody will do, he'll put the bat in that's playing. He did that with Solak. Solak came out and had that great game. He was in the lineup the next day. Right, right. Uh, he's going to put the hot bat in. He always tries to play that. That's the analytic yeah. side of it. But if yeah. you're hot, you get in the lineup. Those guys are right where they need to be for now. We're five games in. Just be patient. Those, I know everyone's screaming about it. Why don't we have them up here? Why is Eli White there? There's a reason Eli White's there. They like him. They think he can do well. But more than anything, he can sit on the bench. Right. And they're not worried about his ABs. Yeah. No, Leody Le Tavares will be in the major leagues pretty soon. Um, yeah. That's my opinion. Now, pretty soon in baseball might be 40 games, but um, he's 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 that good and he's got that kind of upside. And if he if he develops, reaches his potential, he 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 really gives the Rangers a, a very good outfield. So yes, but the guy who makes some of those decisions is, is about to come on the show. Uh, John Daniels will will be here momentarily, and and we're gonna oh he's here now. All right, so we are going to uh, welcome him onto the show. All right. This is Marcus Simeon with the Texas Rangers. Welcome to the Texas Rangers Baseball Podcast with Jeff and John. Okay, guys, and joining us for our very first studio edition. He was on the very first podcast we did when we launched right. this thing, right. the Texas Ranger Baseball Podcast. Now he's in for the first studio one. It's the president of baseball operations for the Texas Rangers, John Daniels. John, thanks for joining yeah, us. Man. Thanks for having me. I'm, I I'm impressed by your setup here, guys. Well, I mean, I had nothing to do with it, but um, <laughs> the, the people who did have done a great job. Mostly Jay, who you, you, you just met. Yeah. He's, he's the brains behind this one. And, the whole uh, setup's legit. Yeah, and uh, you know, we do a Frog's Day show and some other shows here, yeah. so it's it's pretty awesome. But when you invited me, I thought it was going to be more like a Wayne's World, <laughs> like your parents' basement <laughs> you know, kind of a setup, so this is very impressive. Well, good, good. I mean, I guess we've you know, we got couches over there if you want to switch That's it right. up. <laughs> just get a little pop. Uh, yeah, so what, like John mentioned, JD was our first our first guest for our, our very first podcast, and so there's some symmetry here, but also the Rangers are off today, and um, he just happened to have, have some free time and, and no no meetings, no roster moves today no, that you have today, to plan. Yeah. So good easy day, and so yeah, thanks for making the drive from oh, well, Arlington. No, let's be honest, he walked up to me Monday and said, "We're still on, right? We're still oh, on. is that how it went? I'm, I'm, I'm going to get to because right, he was all excited. Well, yeah, my all right. social calendar. I'm make sure it's lined up. <laughs> all right, all right. So we're five games in. Mm -hmm. How do you like your ball club? You know, it's I was, we were talking about this uh, a little bit yesterday. It's like on one hand, obviously we're you know we're one and four right now. There's you know that that in and of itself is is no good, right? You want yeah. to be on the other side of that. Mm -hmm. the, the other piece is we've been in every game, you know, you can make a legitimate case, a, a few things break, both of our doing and, and then just some luck, uh, yeah. and we could be, you know, four and one or five and oh. So I think we've we've played well enough to be, you know, mm -hmm. the record would be better. Uh, I think the game's been entertaining. The guys have been very competitive. We've got to obviously, you know, finish what, find a way to close out some of these games when we have these opportunities, but I think that's, uh, I think we're on the right path there. I haven't I haven't shown up to the ballpark yet and been like uh, the Rangers have no chance tonight. Right. Whereas last season I did that pretty much the whole second sure. half. <laughs> and even going in, you know, Toronto, mm. extremely tough place to right. play, uh, loaded club. You know, they, they added some big dollar pitching to go with you know this homegrown, yeah. a really impressive lineup. Um, our guys played well there. Yeah. But I. I mean, I, I know Otani's coming to town, and he's the MVP, and Mike Trout, holy cow, what a player. But, God dang, Vladimir Guerrero, that was frightening. <laughs> no, Every time man. he stepped in the box, it was frightening. 
He's one of those guys that obviously I've never played at any sort of significant level, but when you see like pitchers out on the mound, they're only 60 feet away from some of these guys and yeah. with a bat in their hands, and you're like, the, the, the fear factor of standing on the mound that close to a few of these guys, he's one of them. I mean, he's, it's unbelievable. He, he hit the ball hard every time. He doesn't miss. Every time. Yeah. Good pitch, bad pitch. He's putting it forward with some velocity. Well, his dad did that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. How can yeah. how can Vlad Guerrero with with the Guerrero ties for that one year? How come he's not a <laughs> Texas Ranger? One year. <laughs> <laughs> so, my my John, John and I were talking about this. Um, I don't know that we're going to have a true feel for how good a team is. Any team for maybe until May, just because the spring training was short. Pitchers are building up. Bullpens are getting used a lot. Hitters didn't get all their at bats. It, it, how hard is it for you guys to evaluate right now? There's a piece of that. I mean, I, I, um, I think your point on, especially May, coming that the, even just the rules are going to be different, right? right? I mean, yeah. we're not, we're not yeah. getting to like traditional rosters until, until that point. Um, and, you know, in a lot of cases, starters won't be built up until, mm -hmm. you know, the end of it, especially, you know, now, you know, John Gray going to miss, miss one start <laughs> and come back. Hopefully, you know, I think we're expecting him back next week in Seattle. But his buildup has been, you know, yeah. cut back even, even further a little bit. So, um, it, it's a challenge at, at the same time. Like I, I, I think some of the more you know, systematic things we're trying to put in place, the, the, the quality at bats, kind of the offensive plan, the, the, um, the usage of the pen. I mean, I think those things w we can mm. start to draw some conclusions on and see where we're at. It's always evolving, but I, I don't think we have to wait till May to, you know, do it, any sort of evaluate. Well, like my, I guess tr traditionally, like, like Leody Tavares struggled last year, got sent out on like April 27th. Mm -hmm. And if you go back to 2014, you know, Odor had the, the really bad beginning, got sent out, I think like May 6th, mm -hmm. somewhere, somewhere around there. So just kind of wondering like, how long, you know, is the leash the same length or, 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 or do you have to make a move sooner maybe if you see a guy that's just like, guy, he didn't get enough spring. Or, well, I think in those cases when you have a young player that's just so underwater yeah. and they, you know, they really need a reset and you feel like the, the mental side of it is, is holding them, like, a lot of times, some of our best uh, coaches are at the big league level. You want them to be with with yeah. our guys. However, if if they're just so overwhelmed at the big league level, you're just like that that the you know the environment is not conducive to allowing them to make those changes. That that's why I think we made some of those early okay. moves. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm assuming then that you know, I remember famously Ian Desmond started four for 46 one year and then was an all star. Right. I'm assuming that you're not worried about Marcus Simeon's two for 22 or 21, no. whatever it is. There are plenty of things I worry about. <laughs> Marcus isn't one of them. Yeah. yeah. No, he's not seriously not a not a factor there. I mean, I think I do think that the transition into the season and and all that it can affect everybody differently. Mm -hmm. But you know, I'm not worried about Marcus. He he um, strikes strikes me as like a obviously a leader, but like just talking to him, he's like so. There's a presence just when yeah. you talk to him, and the way he delivers, and the, the things he says. I, I know, I know that you expect him to mash home runs and and be a huge guy on the field, but it seems like off the field he's going to have a huge impact. Yeah, I mean, you, you hear that just so consistently about him, or we yeah. just say we heard that leading up to to um, when we signed him, and then and then since so the, the, kind of the reviews, yeah. whether it was from you know, Nick Hundley who now works with us, or you know, Bob Melvin and, and people in Oakland or Toronto or people who've been around him, like just the, the presence, the maturity, the, the self-confidence. I mean, mm -hmm. I think it, it's a real stabilizing force for for any team, but especially for a young team, for guys that are coming up and kind of have, you know, a little bit of an anchor in the clubhouse. It, there's a lot of Michael Young there where, you know, sure. you know Michael could have had a slow start or a hot start. Uh, had a bad day or a good day, he's the exact same guy every day. Yeah. You know, he's, I mean, you know, as, as somebody dealt with him, he was, he stood up and answered the questions if he went for, you know, you know 0 for 4, 4 for 4, the cliche mm -hmm. deal, but he, he truly was yeah. that guy. Yeah. And um, always accountable, and I, I, you know, I think Marcus has a lot of that to him. Yeah, and this is a young team. I know Marcus and Corey are, that have been there. Yeah. Cole Calhoun's been there, but. I mean, this is a, uh, Brad Miller's been there, okay. But sure. this is a young team, and especially in the bullpen, I think. Yeah, I mean, we tried, <clears throat> I think we wanted to kind of find that balance between obviously making improvements hmm. needed on, on a host of levels, but also leaving 
ample opportunity for some of these young big league guys to establish themselves, guys that we think have, have futures. And, and so um, that's where I think the leadership piece is huge, right, in, in giving these guys some guidance as they go through it. What, um, we, we were at the lighter start, John and I, and don't want to put him in the major leagues after three, three double-A innings, but he's, he's part of a crop of guys that should be making their way into uh, the onto the major league roster at some point here in the next year or two. Um, but like you said, you just have, you have young guys who are here now trying to, it seems like there are tough decisions ahead. A lot of maybe healthy decisions that, that a, a good team needs to make, but yeah. it seems like you guys are gonna have some stuff to sort through. We're excited about it. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, there, there's good things to sort through and, and bad things to sort through. And that's a good one. Um, first off, you know, that whole, group has a ton of talent, they have mm -hmm. makeup, they've got all, all the things you want to see, the ingredients, they've got to do it, right? They've got to go yeah. out and perform and, and execute. Um, there are, from a number standpoint, a depth of the talent standpoint, that's where the excitement really comes in, where obviously Jack or a few others will kind of draw more attention than others, but, yeah. but the, the depth of the group is exciting to where, you know, if, if somebody does have a setback or an injury or you know, whatever the case may be, there's there's still competition. There's still that that wave coming, it, but it is going to be a good some good decisions in terms of managing the roster. In terms of you know, as we get into you know, we're not there yet, but as we get into a situation of considering trades for you know the right pieces, uh, long term pieces on the club, and having to make those calls, and so. Uh, I think our internal evaluation is going to be as big of a focus this season as anything. Yeah, and I mean, and you, I think it was you who told me there are two commodities in baseball. There's cash money and there's prospects. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, and you guys have never been shy about upgrading the roster at deadlines and even, you know, in, in the offseason. So all these guys aren't going to, they may all be major leaguers, but it's not necessarily going to be all with you guys. No, I, I mean, and... and <clears throat> And that's by design, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, that, that's ultimately, you know, the best teams are able to make those those trades because they have the talent, but also because they make good decisions and evaluating mm -hmm. their own. And uh, and it's tough because, you know, you say there is an emotional component to it, and we are invested yeah. in these players. Absolutely. And we're in their homes, and we make commitments to their families, and, and we've seen them grow, and, and you don't, you know, quite frankly, you don't want to trade any of them. Right. Uh, ultimately, you know, our, our goal is when win World Series, and, and to do that, we're going to have to make some of those tough calls down the line. How hard is it to make a trade? Like, you guys, I'm, I'm guessing the kinder falefa trade was hard because of what a homegrown guy who's like... The emotional piece, yeah. Yeah, kind of grown into what he what he is, maybe maximizing his talent, and uh, a guy who was a vital component of the team the last two years to send him on his way. And, yeah. and, and Jose Trevino, too. So I think when... Um, First of all, absolutely challenging. I mean, yeah. Izzy was a kind of a you know off radar high school draft at a Hawaii, not right. a not a known guy, and and doesn't hit a pro home run until he's <laughs> in big league spring training. And I remember that. You know, and, and then he kind of develops confidence, and obviously we played him all over, quite yeah. literally all over, and, and established himself as a Gold Glove uh, defender and energy and all that. I think when we signed. Corey and we signed Marcus, it was with the understanding that, you know, these are, it, we didn't know 100% it was going to be Izzy, but these are the decisions that are coming down the line when you have right. the depth yeah. in the infield. Um, and then as, as we, it was interesting, we got a, a bunch of calls immediately after we signed those two um, on, on Izzy. And, um, and so, the, to ask that. Yeah, yeah. The, so the Twins deal actually kind of started uh, the day before the lockout. Right. And we just felt like, you know, it, Let's not rush into it. It was it was too quick. Like we, we didn't really have a chance to talk to Izzy. We didn't want to make a trade at the buzzer and not be able to speak to these players. And so we said, Let, let's tap the brakes. Let's let's reassess once this thing's over. And then I, it picked up steam pretty quickly thereafter. The how hard was the lockout for you? Because you guys signed these four players and then yeah, not a. Um, well, <clears throat> it was it gave us a ton of time to address things and tend to things that might not have gotten the attention otherwise, right? Mm -hmm. We, ha I mean, you, you really, with, with some new new leadership in the development side, new coaches in the big league side, we had more time to get them together. And that was mm -hmm. a real, like, silver lining plus. Our, our minor league players, our off-roster players benefited mm -hmm. a ton. You know, some of the big league guys that, that 
you know, especially guys coming back off, off injuries that we couldn't really get our arms around, that, that, that was challenging. And then, and there, was, there were some things, some similarities to like summer of 2020, like the, the yeah. COVID, we all had to go home and, and kind of wait. It's like, after a certain number of Zoom calls to kind of plan <laughs> and like, you know, and, 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 and do your best to anticipate what was coming, it was right. like, are we just having a call to have a call at this point, you know? And so uh, that, that part was challenging. Listen, like anybody, I think downtime, you know, it was the first time I can ever remember where you, I was able to like set the phone down and I wasn't worried I was missing something, mm. you know, because I knew there quite literally nobody was allowed to call me, you know, yeah. and vice versa. <laughs> so that part was, was nice for a week or two and then it got old. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I just wonder, what, what do you think the, the lockouts had a lasting impact on fans? Because you guys didn't sell out your home opener, um, which hadn't happened in 25 years right. and and but it's not just you like the Braves and so and the yeah. defending world champions didn't sell out their home opener and I just wonder do you think there's a hang a hangover yeah I do I yeah. mean I I think it's somewhat inevitable right I mean yeah. we um it was a black eye I mean there's no other real way to describe it if yeah. it was um you know our, our fans were the, the short term they were the ones that lost the most in this mm -hmm. um and that that's especially coming off of COVID, you know, right. the 60 game season and then last season with limited fans and in most of the most cities <laughs> in the league, it, the timing <laughs> of it was really unfortunate. Yeah. It's not that there would be a great time, <laughs> right. but like right. it was just a compounding effect and I feel like our fans kind of had to wear it. And so, um, you know, I, I think anything we can do as an industry to bend over backwards and, and you know, make ourselves more available, uh, you know, uh, more responsive to our fans' needs. We have we, we should do it at all times. We have yeah. to do it right now. The opening day thing, I, I don't know. It's a Monday. You know, it's it's. Um, it wasn't yeah, supposed it to be opening day. I yeah. think you know. I think Yankees obviously the Thursday <laughs> was was going to be a sellout. Sure, sure, some. for sure. But <laughs> there's no denying that we we did some damage to the goodwill in the sport. Yeah, yeah. Well, John. Yeah, I always do the fun stuff here, and you guys know <laughs> when we had John on last time. I always do the fun stuff because Jeff does all the baseball hard-hitting stuff so you know one of the so when last time we had you on you talked about when you were in college you were just like a sports nerd you, yeah. you and AJ and you guys I'm kind of that sports nerd now myself as I, I played when I was younger but I wasn't good at, I was mediocre at best but in this I'm really nerdy about front office and what you guys do and how you do it what's your daily routine like when does it start at home yeah when, when's it start what are you up eating breakfast you got to get kids off or you're at the office what do you do <laughs> Uh, so I usually get up about 6.30, 6.45, and, and uh, we have three kids to get off to school, uh, all at different uh, schools right now. So, uh, my wife, Robin, and I, uh, sometimes we'll, one will just get up, and the other, most days we both get up and kind of get them out the door, um, try to get some sort of workout in, a short run or a little workout or whatever. Sometimes yeah. my son and I work out together in the mornings, and I usually get to the office around, um, you know, 10-ish, mm -hmm. the guys in the office are like 11. <laughs> uh, there, there's some days it's 9.30. Yeah. You know, pat myself in the back. Um, and then kind of go from there. I mean, obviously it depends on the team home, team on the road, in season, off season, draft right. coming up, trade sure. trade, you know, window coming up. All those things kind of affect it pretty significantly. And that, that's one of the, I think, challenging, fun, but also challenging things like, no two days are alike during sure. the year, you know, because of all those variables. It keeps it fun, but yeah. it's also it's hard to settle into routines. It's hard to make plans with <laughs> friends or family and things like sure. that, and, and and finding that balance is, is a little bit of a challenge. Has, has Chris Young helped with that? Having having somebody else to maybe take a little load off of you? For sure, for sure. And we try to you know communicate who's got kind of what going on, you know, at the office, who's got what going on at home, and then mm -hmm. try to make sure that it was one of the things that he and I talked about when. Um, when he was considering joining us was, was our, will we be able to kind of find that balance, right? And, and or help each other find it. Somebody told me a long time ago, said like, don't balance is, is that the idea of balance is the goal, but balance shouldn't be your goal because you're never going to find it. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. So, oh, okay. you know, don't, you don't want to hold yourself back and think you're constantly failing. But I, I think if, if your family knows and, and people that you care about know that you're, you're, you know, you're making an effort, you know, you're making an effort. That's, that's about as good as you can do. Well, and you get, 
you got to take into consideration. You're saying you get to the office at 10, but if it's a home game, you're usually there till late in the evening. And uh, sure. on the road, is it different? I mean, when you go on the road, how often do you go on the road? Less than I used to. Because Chris uh, goes more now, I assume. Uh, I mean, we both go, uh, you know, occasionally, maybe once a month uh, right. or so. You know, one city or maybe two cities a month. Right. Um, Paul Kruger is going to do a lot of travel this year. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, in his role, you know, um, uh, Josh Boyd does a little. Ross may do a little bit. Um, you know, some of it too is a, a, it kind of depends on where you're at in, in the schedule and if you have moves, upcoming moves. You know, Woody now in, in year four, um, pretty comfortable. Kind of, you know, if we, he needs to make a move, we don't necessarily need one of us there. So right. there'll be some trips where, where you know there is no front office representative <laughs> on the road. Um, I, I enjoy it because yeah. I think it's 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 time with the staff. You get you know sure. you, you can really get some good time with the staff. That you know, there's a few people, families on the road, staff or players, but for the most part, it, you know, guys have more time on the road to. to to you know, get, get feedback from and things like that. So, I do enjoy that piece. Are you are you home or on the road for the trade deadline? And I, I haven't looked that far ahead. Uh, I don't remember honestly. <laughs> I think we're home this year. Oh, that's good. I think we're that's home. Well, he's already promised us that we'll be in office with him that that's morning. Right. Right there you when guys can come here. Yeah, so we'll just set up headquarters. We'll set up right here, and we'll do it right here. Hey, what's one of the most common myths about your job or Chris's job? What's one of the most common myths that people don't understand? Um. Interesting. Well, so I, I don't know. I, I don't know what the myths are, but mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think one of the things that we really try to do is give. Uh, we're involved in kind of setting the the philosophy and setting the vision and, and kind of direction and where we're going. But right. We really try to give our people the ability to do their jobs. And, and so, you know, I mean, it, it, even back when when Wash was manager, there was this perception like I was writing the, the lineup and right. Yeah. And, <laughs> It just was never the case. Yeah, it wasn't true. You know? Yeah, I mean, we discuss we discuss things for sure, and, uh -huh. and um, but then ultimately Woody, you know, makes those calls, and we'll discuss sure. like how you know different roles and how guys are going to be utilized, or in the draft. Certainly, the you know the first round pick is kind of a more of an organizational decision. As you move down the line, like you know, yeah. Kip is largely making those calls with his with his team, and so I think the myth that you know it, the kind of the the Wizard of Oz puppeteer that we're, you know, one or two people are making every decision is, is not, it's truly like a, there's a huge organization, a big team of people that we trust to make those calls. And see, he said it right here, and I've known that for a long time, and people still don't think, they think people just run it like a puppet up there, and I've known it's like, you know what, he's not setting the line up every day, no matter what you think. Uh, Chris has that job, that's what he gets paid to do, sure. is to make that lineup up and do that. You know who who's one of your who was one of your big mentors in the job that you're doing now? Who was a mentor for you? A couple. I mean, John Hart for sure. Um, I mean, hired me as a I was 23 years old. I was 24 years old, um, and I, I joined the organization at a time when you know there was it was kind of a good amount of turnover and mm -hmm. some kind of it, it was not a real stable situation because of that. He. He trusted me early on. He gave me a ton of opportunity. Uh, I learned as much from him just by doing. Right. Uh, Josh Burns, who's you know an executive VP with the Dodgers now and has been the GM uh, with San Diego and Arizona for it. He was the assistant GM in Colorado mm -hmm. when I got my internship, and, and he he hired me there. And then uh, and Thad Levine, you know Thad obviously assistant GM here for a long time. Uh, I mean, people might look at it as you know he. You know, worked worked kind of when I was the GM, but the reality is like he trained me. I was an intern in, in Colorado, and that whole group was great. They treat they didn't treat me like an, I mean I had to do coffee runs and airport runs and you know <laughs> things that, that, yeah. yeah things that you know <laughs> interns do. But yeah. at the end of that, I would you know I deliver the lunch. They could come in and sit in the back of the meeting and they'd explain stuff to me and and more informally get my take on things. So that, yeah. I think they taught me in a lot of ways to kind of be collaborative and, and you know, and, and how to treat people well and, and include them. Okay. Well, let's go off of baseball just for more fun stuff. What's your favorite type of food? What do you like to eat? Are you Italian guys? I'm going to guess sushi. Uh, more, I, mean, I do like st steak, uh, but I'd go Asian, and I know that's a, that's a, there's a host of, of different right. options there, but I'm, 
I can go pretty much any Asian direction, yeah. So whether it's hibachi or you just go get some egg rolls or go. We, I took you to Saigon Kitchen. That was in good. Spring training. That's, that's a good spot. Yeah. That's, that's the Rangers dining headquarters, I think, front office dining. That was right. really yeah. good, by the way. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm good with the Asian food. Surprise is a little limited, but that Saigon is like a legit spot anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Okay, so what's your favorite home-cooked meal? And is it your wife that cooks it? Does mom cook something you always love when you go home? What, what's the fa- Who cooks it and what's your favorite one? Uh, it would be Rob. It would be my wife. I'm trying to think of the, you know, the best. Um, there's, a, there's a few of them. I, no, she's our schedule. Cook, she's a great cook. Okay. She's a great cook. I think our schedules and you know, and three kids, including two teenagers, <laughs> in every direction. So it's not as frequent as, as it was. Same thing. Three kids. Or I know. Yeah. I mean, I'll go just kind of a, a classic like uh, steaks and 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 uh, and the. Now, do you get on the grill sometimes and get them going? Or? When she's not around. Okay. Yeah. Um, Robin has kind of like forbid me uh, from t- touching everything. But I, could, I, I, don't, I won't butcher a steak, but everything else is fair game to be butchered. Yeah. Now, now, do you have like a guilty pleasure? Like, I'm, I'm a, I shouldn't, but I love Diet Coke, and I always got to have one up in the press box. And it's kind of my, do you have some kind of chocolate or something that's like your guilty pleasure? I'll just kind of go and wait. I don't have one thing. I do like, I do like chocolate or dark chocolate or ice cream, probably yeah. with the kids, probably uh, be the one, but I'll go in waves where I'm like real, you know, strict and good about it. And then uh, other times like anybody else where well, you're, you're working like, out every day. That's what I've done. I finally lost some weight. So I'm happy to be better. Every day is a stretch, but yeah, <laughs> I, I try. Now, I've done, I've, I've worked out with John before. We did a, we did a 90 minute orange theory class That's right. before like, I don't know, the 2018 winter meetings, it was brutal and like we were sore. Like, so we're walking around, San, I think it was in San Diego, we were just, our legs were work. So you're like an animal on that thing. Oh yeah, I'm a real animal. You are. <laughs> well, we stayed together when we were at, at uh, when we got that first week that we were there with before the, the, the lockout was done. Yeah, he was up every morning going off to the gym, so I was just walking around that neighborhood we were staying in. Yeah, I've got, I've got, I've got a little injury right now. I'm not, I'm not as much an animal. See, I get injured getting out of bed, so I can't. <laughs> I can't do that. Okay, what would your wife say is the one thing you do that annoys her the most? One? Yeah. Well, it's funny. She she just told me yesterday. She said, uh, and there was was a lot to choose from, but it was... uh, she said I'm a bad sleeper. She said I, I, she calls me like I'm like a like a fish like kind of flopping out of the water, and she said I keep turning over and pull the blanket off her and stuff. So she just literally just told me that yesterday. Apparently, I'm a loud eater. Hmm. You wife, are kind of a loud eater. My, my wife and I would sit. We had desks across from each other for the entire pandemic. Right. <clears throat> and she told me one day that I'm a loud eater, and like like if she's on a Zoom call, she like she's telling you to get out of the room. Yeah. And so during spring training. She separated our desks. <laughs> is it like the with your mouth? Or are you like clanking the? I think I think it's when I inhale. I think I maybe I inhale when I eat. Breathing. Because I do eat yeah. fast, but maybe it's like a. She's, <laughs> but I don't smack my lips or anything. I'm very polite, but mm. she's like, you're terrible. So. I think this one's probably going to be an answer that he answers that you and I would agree with. Who do the kids fear more, you or mom? Um. I think Robin. I think, I mean, we kind of like have our different areas that, that yeah. I think they're, you know, I'm like OCD about certain things, but she's, she's just more present than I sure. am. So I think she's, you know, has to, has to address a lot more things than I do. And I can be a little Disney dad at times, swoop in and, you know, and she rolls her eyes at, hey, you know, guys, yeah, exactly. Well, we always end on what's something nobody knows about you. But before we do that, I want to do one deal and I, I kind of always wanted to know this. Um, and how it goes from there. Like, let's take, now that it's done, the Gallo trade. So when you're doing a Gallo trade, you, you get in touch, the Yankees reach out to you, whatever happens, they start putting out names. I know right at your fingertips you can pull up a lot, but do you have, who do you go to in the scouting that you're like, we need to get eyes on this guy or tell me about this guy? Where does it go from there? They've called, they want Joey, they, or, and you said, what do you got? They've thrown some names out. Mm-hmm. Who are you going to to find out about those guys? So uh, Mike Parnell is our director of uh, professional scouting, and okay. so all of the pro scouts, and we have a, I forget the number, but you know, ten or so guys right. out in the out in the field that uh, report up through Mike, and right. and then Mike will kind of work with the R and D group, Ryan Murray and his team, kind of combining the the scout takes with the the analysts' information, um, and he'll t- typically Mike is kind of the one that's presenting. Right. You know, kind of the initial list for us to go through okay. and, and some of the target names. And Mike, last summer, reported up to Ross. Okay. Ross Spencer Maker, Ross now over 
we, we moved them over to development and, and right. international and uh, Mike reports to Josh Boyd now. So typically, you know, last summer it was Ross and, and Mike were kind of leading those meetings with the rest of our group. So there are also guys when a name's there that they'll say, nah, not that one. Yeah, you know, <laughs> go, go this way or that yeah, way. And it's kind of a starting point, right? Right. And so, I mean, these things aren't like, they're motion pictures. They're not still photos. Sure. The, the players are evolving. They're human beings. They're learning. They're growing. Right. And so I think a lot of the things that we're putting it through the filters of like, all right, what type, what are we good at from a development standpoint? Right. What is the team that they're coming from good at from a development standpoint? What can we expect? Are there any, you know, did they have a, any off-field issues that might have held them? A personal tragedy, a loss, you know, loss sure. in his life, um, an injury, obviously. Things that, you know, was he, did he not start playing baseball till a little bit later? Does he have, like, a little more of a development path? So I think we're trying to always look at it through those, through that lens of, yeah. you know, like, what is this player today? But what is, <laughs> how much growth, realistically, and development can we expect going forward? Um, and so... Again, that's the initial list they're putting together, but we, we chew it up pretty good, ask a ton of questions. We go back to the, the guys that knew him, our amateur scouts, Kip and his team. Right. What kind of background we're calling college coaches, you know, sure. who they worked with in the offseason hmm. and what facilities, trying to gather as much and trying to put together as, as complete a picture as possible. Well, in, yeah. But in like 72 hours, or in some cases. I, I, I know the Joey yeah. talks probably started well before then, but like. Right. Gotta, yeah, I mean, you make those decisions in, in real time. And kinda, yeah. It kind of gets narrowed down. But we try to have you know, certainly higher frequency talks in, in the off season mm -hmm. and, and, and the trade time. But we try to have like weekly calls or where we're okay. trying to stay fresh on, you know, potential uh, partners, you know, on a regular basis. And, and, we'll, and, we'll, and we'll start talking about like next year's free agent class. You know, this you know, probably May or June. Oh, you know, we'll start just start because you don't want it to be a just a one. You don't want to make a decision in a seventy-two hour window with no background, obviously. <laughs> right. And I and I'm assuming too. Before, if you know you've got a player that's probably going to be available, you probably already know some teams that might have a fit for that player. Are you already getting some people? Hey, we might be the Reds organization. Maybe we need to go look at some stuff over there because they might be a player or the Yankees and you're already out kind of before talks begin. Maybe you're thinking there might be a fit. Yeah, so you, you know, using the, the Joey situation as the example, right. you know, we set out, we, we knew that there was a good chance we were going to trade. We were, we were going to trade him if we didn't accept him. And that right. was where our head was. Right. We figured we would get across a, a, a threshold where we needed to get and we, and we did. And so Mike and, and the group kind of Recommended, hey, this, these are the teams we're going to focus on and get extra looks at. We'll do our org coverage in these other spots. We'll right. make sure we get extra looks and attention at these teams. And those are the teams we, we spent the most time on. But we have to be, we want to be nimble, whereas if the team, somebody got hot, you know, in July and right. jumped in on, or they had an injury in the outfield and they jumped in on Joey, we wanted to be able to respond. Be prepared. Right. And not say, well, we can't consider them because we, we didn't have We've only done work over here, yeah. Yeah, we we don't have the luxury. You only have 29 partners, right? So you can't rule anybody out when they may be the most motivated and have the best return. That mm -hmm. always makes it fun, too. I do some contract stuff in my work, but when you have a little leverage that there's another team on board, that always helps. Anyway, okay, so what is something nobody knows about you? I don't know if you've listened to some of these, but so let's give some fun examples. Some yeah. of your players. Brock, Brock, Brock Burke, Burke, sleepwalking. You knew that. Uh, yeah. You knew about that. So that was, I discovered Davis that Davis Wenzel one. got his finger cut off. When he was right? five. When he was wasn't this week. It yeah, was, it was when he was, was five. four or five. <laughs> and then uh, Jack Ryder and the peanut, like butter peanut butter thing is still yeah. one. I talked to his mother and sisters at the game Saturday. They said <laughs> it's been from the time. She goes, I always used to make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches when we would travel or go out to see Dad. He couldn't stand it. He doesn't. He loves peanuts. Can't stand peanut butter. Really? I asked him, if you were on a deserted island and you only had peanut butter, are you going to starve to death? And he goes, probably. <laughs> wow. I don't know if we would have taken it. We yeah, I mean, that's it. Uh, Gonna go get him on the training block. Yeah, that's, uh, <coughs> so, what's something that nobody knows about John Daniel? Um, Daniels. Sorry, I can't. Uh, uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I've like definitely OCD in certain. I think we probably all do. I've kind of manifest in, in some weird ways. Um, what's the most OCD thing you do? Um, Two things stand out. One's kind of bizarre slash embarrassing. The other one's just bizarre. But I have to wear like 
certain uh, underwear on flights. <laughs> yeah, certain underwear. <laughs> you I'm heard here. it here. I flew, I've flown a bunch. I'm here. Everything's good. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's working, so it's, it's, it's okay. Good. That's great. And um, the other one is when I get a cup of coffee. You know, at Starbucks, you get the coffee. You get the the um, the liner. The yeah. You know, to keep it from burning your hand or whatever. Right. And then the, the coffee has a seam down the side. The cup has a seam down the side of it. Sure. So you have to line up both seams. That's not weird. On one side, <laughs> and then have the, the sip opener right, right on the front. I'm fine with that. Yeah. that there's I don't nothing, have an issue. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Otherwise, you, you don't know what can happen. Jeff, anything else before we let him get back to work or go home and do the yeah, yeah, he's got an off day. Right, your yeah. semi off day. Semi -off yeah. day go right. home. Shoot. Well, John, yeah. we can't thank you enough for joining us again for coming on here today, guys. That's John Daniel, the president of baseball operations. When we come back, we're going to get into the minor leagues and talk about them. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. All right, that was fun. President of Baseball Operations, John Daniel, which was great for him to come in and join us today. But now we want to get into what one of the big things that John and CY have done, and that is build the minor league system. They're off to their start right now. It's time yeah. to, to get into talking about them. You and I were both at ladder night, yeah. or the jack pack, or whatever you want yeah, to call right. it. I was actually out there Friday night, too. You were in Toronto, apparently dealing with customs and everything else, trying to get in there. But, uh, boy, the... Frisco was unbelievable atmosphere out there, especially Saturday night. Friday mm. night was pretty good, too. Um, but let's get into the minor leagues and go down on the farm and talk about some of the stuff that's happened. Tell me about what you saw Saturday night. Yeah, you, you, you're right about the atmosphere. It was it was uh, really kind of fun, kind of a buzz. Um, you know, this is the number one draft pick, the guy who uh, is going to ride in on a stallion and, and <laughs> save the starting rotation. But uh he the, the the thing that i walked away with was it was like a it was a professional outing you know he he stayed within himself he found a way to to get hitters out and and it wasn't his fastball which you know he, he i figured out pretty early that the fastball command wasn't very good and he just started spinning breaking balls uh both a slider and a curveball and um you know those, those those arkansas hitters didn't have a chance against him i i you know i i just he, he could have told him it was coming and, and I don't think they would have been able to hit him. And, and, you know, he, it, it, it took him a while, you know, he, he wasn't efficient. He threw 61 pitches. He had to, he had to figure some things out, but, um, seven strikeouts. Yeah, it was, it was seven strikeouts. Uh, and he, he only got nine outs, seven were, were by strikeouts. And, uh, I just think that, that, you know, for the first time out with all the hoopla with his family there, the Jack pack stuff, which I think is going to be a season long promotion and yeah. that's fine. And that's fine. I'm not, he's going to pitch every Saturday. Now. Yeah, um, it, it, it was very good, and and now that that's behind him, if if he needed to exhale, I, I don't think he did. But if he did, he, he's ready to move on. Now it's it's going to be a slow build up. You know, he he th this next start, he's probably going to throw right around the same pitches, maybe build up a little bit more than the next two, a little more than the two after that, a little bit more to where they let him go, maybe six or seven, but. Uh, yeah, for, a guy, for a guy, for a guy, for a guy who hadn't pitched in a meaningful game since June, and I mean that game meant a lot. You know, the first game of the College World Series, you know, f f final series. Um, I thought that was really good. Yeah, it, it, I mean, you couldn't help but be amazed at the poise on the mound, the way he handled himself. Look, this is a guy, and you know, this is something I noticed not only with Jack. We got to talk to him. He's been on the podcast. Yeah. He, we talked to him after the game. They had a whole. This this okay. isn't normal. I, I cover a lot of games out at Frisco that I've gone out to more than Jeff because he's always at the big league field. But they had a whole room set up for us just for Jack to sit yeah. and talk to him. You can see the video on the YouTube channel of, of Jack's remarks. He is very poised talking to the media. Probably helps that his dad was a 20-year big leaguer. Right. But I noticed it also with real jump <laughs> quick to the to the big leagues. Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon, and people like Lighter. When you have that much talent. They tend to be a little more reserved in what they say, and they're more polished at it. Jack's already polished because of the immense talent that he knows coming up. He's got a head on his shoulders with what he's doing, and and I was I was very impressed. You have to be impressed. The hit that they got off of him, that would have probably been caught in the big yeah, leagues. Yeah, yeah, big then, leaguer. And then the right field, Fabian, I think, is, who was out there, he stumbled. Yeah. 
shouldn't have scored the run the way he stumbled on that. Right. Uh, but uh, it, it was the only hit. But yes, you have to be impressed with what happened. And the bats weren't bad. I'm telling you, Blaine Krim still my guy to watch. Yeah, I know. I know. I like I like Blaine. You know, I you know, down at Frisco. I, I don't. You know, D Dustin Harris maybe is, is off to a little bit of a slow start, but I don't know that they're worried about him. They're, I mean, that's a pretty big challenge making that jump from high A to double A. That's the biggest uh, one they said. And, and, and you know, Krim's going to be there, and Krim won the batting title in Puerto Rico over the off season, so he. He's going to be fine. I, I like John Ornelas. Uh, he, he's an he's an intriguing guy. Um, not, he, he, I think he's developing power. Uh, he yeah. can play. He can play all over. And so I, I think he's kind of a, a guy to watch. And of course, you know Ezekiel Duran. Uh, that man, guy's a stud. Yeah, yeah. He, he he's a good player. Uh, he's got a chance to to reach AAA. I think this year. So uh, it's it's a it's a real good group. And then you know you talk about the rotation with. Cody Bradford, who actually started on opening night. I saw that one. Cole Reagan, Zach Kent, uh, Avery Weems, you know, a, a bunch of guys who, who are arms that are, that are, if you don't know about, you need to know about. And so um, it's, 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 it's a good group. I, I think if you're a baseball fan and you're a Rangers fan, you want to see these prospects, you need to get out to Frisco. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not uh, trying to do Chuck Greenberg and Victor Roas's job for them, but no. there's a, this is a good group, a good core of, of, of prospects who – uh, if you're a Rangers fan, you're, you're going to know them pretty soon because in, in two, to, two to four years, you're going to see a lot of these guys on the big league roster. And, and let me tell you this, and this goes without saying, when you're at double A or higher, look, you're an injury or a need away from getting called to Arlington. And so that's a good way to get out and get close to someone who's going to be a big leaguer who could be a big leaguer. I'm not going to say going to be a big leaguer, but could be a big leaguer. You've got four guys in that rotation that I, my, I would lay money on are going to be big leaguers, all the way back to Reagans, who have the arm, whether it's in the bullpen or not. Yeah. But this is a great way to go out. These guys are two steps away from getting to the big leagues in double A, and they're one call away. There's double A guys. Elvis Andrus never played a, one play in triple A right. before he got the call uh, to go up to the major leagues. So it's such a it's a it's a cheap ticket to get out there. You can mm. take your kids and go on the burn yeah. out there and do it. And I, yeah, we're promoting Frisco here because it's local. If you can't get out to the ballpark or Globe Life Field, go out to Frisco. Yeah. Yeah. And what's it called now? It's not Dr. Pepper. Riders Field. Riders Field, and it's a beautiful stadium. So down below that, um, you know, Venasco went last night, struggled a little bit. I kind of expected him to struggle. He did that against TCU the night you right, and I saw him. Right, 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 right. He's amped up. This guy hadn't pitched in two years in an actual game. He pitched those uh, the the uh, the fallen structs and, yeah. and, and doing that, but that's not playing a ball game. Right. And now he's back in it. He he, he struck out two, I believe, and in, in one and one and two thirds. Uh, gave up three runs. Uh, he walked a few, and that's just that's what Venasco is going to do. Well, and I just think, like you said, he hadn't pitched in a in a game that counted since 2019. You right. know, and and um, we, we we've seen the way he's changed his personality. He's, he's still a good good kid. He's a little more outgoing. Uh, he's much bigger physically. Yeah. Um, but he's got so much energy, and so he's so intense, and wants to wants to destroy every hitter in the batter's box, and um, you got to learn how to harness that, yep. you know, and then uh, I, I think I think he's going to be fine, you know. Um, uh, that that rotation's yeah fantastic too. <laughs> Good, Owen, White. Owen White, Venasco, T.K. Roby, right. Mason Engler, who's from Forney. Right. Um, you know, it, it, it's pretty interesting. One somebody with the Rangers said that those might be two of the top ten rotations in all of minor league baseball. Yes. And just from prospect and upside value, I I, I think. I think it's, you'd be hard pressed. And Arkansas, the, who, who played Frisco over the weekend, has, has two really good starting pitchers in, in its rotation. Um, but I, yeah. Two of the top pitchers in yeah. all of baseball they had their, the, that went the first two nights are in the top 50, I believe, in all of baseball as far as pitching prospects. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, there, there's good talent every year. You know, last year, Bobby Wood Jr. played in that league, and, right. and Julio Rodriguez was, was on the Arkansas team. So, I mean, Mike Trout's played in that league. I mean, this. You know this this league that the Texas League now was called what the Double A South or whatever last year. Yeah. Um, there's 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 good talent there and there's good talent in the Carolina League and and, and the Sally League where where Down East plays mm -hmm. and uh, you know you, you got to keep your eyes on all of them. Uh, Down East I think is off to a little bit of a slow start but you know Max Acosta and and Marcus Smith are are, are playing there and and at Hickory you have Evan Carter and Aaron Zavala who really 
through their 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 first however many games have been um, exactly what the Rangers thought. They're very patient hitters, right. very selective. Drawing some walks, and that helps them survive any challenge because you know the strike zone and you have an idea what hitters are or pitchers are trying to do to you. If you get in a slump, you're not going to stay in it long, and so that's the foundation. That's why some of these guys have been pushed. Evan Carter's still 19. Yeah, he might still be 18. No, he's 19. But anyway, he's young, and he only played. He only had 106 plate appearances last year at at at, at low A. But they see a foundation uh, with, with just what he can do uh, as a hitter that they wanted to challenge him. So there there's some pretty interesting stories, you know. You don't you don't worry about the early the stats early on. I don't right. think you know you just you just kind of let them um, get get their feet wet. And after a couple weeks, then you start to start to wonder. Uh, one note with with Hickory, uh, Luisa Cunha Jr. has a hamstring strain. He got hurt on opening night, and he's going to miss a couple weeks. So yeah, that, that that's, that's a bummer. But um, you know, he started slow last year and then finished finished like mad. And um, used to, we we both saw him at at uh, minor league camp. <laughs> He's, I mean, he's a little uh, stump. I mean, it's, I, I don't know. Yeah. How, he's about five foot eight and could bench press a, a car, I think. I and, mean, and, yeah, he's, and of course, he's got the famous bloodlines. He's got, you know, he's Ronald Acuna Jr.'s brother. Um, but man, you know, he, his he's, future he's might something. be as a utility guy. He plays all over the field. But I tell you what, that kid, he puts the barrel on the ball when he hits he, it. He hits the ball really hard. He hits <laughs> really it as, hard. His, his exit velocities, uh, the last. Uh, from, from instructs of 20 through last season have been as high as anybody in the organization. And, and um, you know, he's going to develop the – he had 13 home runs, I think, last year, yep. something like that. But there will be some more launch. There's going to be more power. Um, so, again, the, the Rangers, it, it's, just, it's just very deep. There's, there's a great pool of talent at AAA. Double A is loaded. High A is loaded with right. prospects. Low A. You're going to see guys who, who emerge this year and, and climb the prospect rankings when, when other guys graduate. And we, you know, we haven't even talked about Round Rock yet. Yeah. And Round Rock lost his first three games, has, has come back well. Right. Um, you, you know, we talked about Tavares before JD was on. He's hitting like 522 through right his now, four, right four games or something like that. Bubba Thompson, he's stolen very five good bases. player. Bubba has. Josh Smith, who's on the board behind you, who, he, he's, he's come on. He started a little bit slow, but he's hit a homer, and he had a couple hits uh, yep. uh, in his last, uh, what, two, Tuesday night. He had a couple hits. Played center field one game. Yeah. That's something to, to make note of. Uh, he's going to play some yes, center field. Yes, that's right. Davis Wenzel is going to play some left field. Um, they're, they're still going to play shortstop, and they're still going to play third base. But um, th- those two are – those two were – those two and Bubba Thompson were probably the stars of, of Major League Camp, at least from the prospect group. Right. And they're they're a lot closer. I mean, Josh probably got pushed. Uh, to be to be honest, he he I don't even think he had 300 at bats last year. He definitely he definitely didn't have more than just maybe more than 100 at, at Double A. But uh, I think what he showed in the Cactus League, what he showed them during spring training, showed the the, the Rangers through their own workouts and everything. I kind of thought he'd start at Double A, but they pushed him up, and that's fine. Like, yeah. this is a, he's not a young kid. He's not 19 years old. He's a college yeah. LSU SEC player. Yeah. So that that was fine. And on, and before we get out of here, well, wait, we can't we can't forget Sam Huff. Who's he, he hit well, he hit a bomb the other yeah, night. Yeah, he. I mean, he's he's. You know, Mitch Garver appears to be in place, but Mitch Garver's also only got two years left at club control. So yep. Sam Huff could be the catcher of the future. You know, he missed last year catching because of the, a knee injury. Right. Uh, Cole Wynn made hit made his uh, 2022 debut and pitched fine. Right. Jake Latz is down there. So the, you know, AJ Alexi. So there are some there are prospects who are very very close. Who some of whom have been in the major leagues. Right. Who who can could help this team this year, and at some point probably will get called upon. I mean, you know, if if things go south, um, I think they're going to go a little bit north here yep. for, after this start. But you know, I, I think ultimately this team is not a contender. But I think that at some point when that when that decision is made, and uh, you know, you still want to get your guys at bats, but at some point these guys are going to push their way to the to the major league roster. I, I totally agree with that. And I've said it, I, I've said that all along that, 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 that you got to give it time to do that. There are guys that are going to push their way up. Um, you know, I want to talk about someone real quick before we get out of here. Dustin Harris had got a little bit of a slow start, <laughs> but I went down and took some video of him and watched him. Mm-hmm. He hit two or three balls. He got a couple hits last night, I think. He hit two or three balls right on the button, right at people. Yeah. Um, and, and so he is, it's not that he's looking foolish up there. Yeah. He's had some bad luck. He's yeah. had some balls go, go right to people. That's a guy to really watch too. Um, I didn't realize how, 
how thin he looked until I saw him in person. Um, uh, as tall as he is, he looks, he, that guy's in shape. It's lean. It's, you know, and, yeah. and he, he was on our podcast right, right. before, right before Christmas. Right. And, you know, talked about how during COVID, the COVID lockdown, he gained 25 pounds of, you know, just because he was in the gym, he didn't have anything else to do. So, right. uh, and, and you saw the power translate last year when you hit 20 homers and sure. both a ball levels. Uh, the thing that, that hitter that, that Rangers people have told me about him is his swing is short and simple. And, and although he's a big guy, he's not going to get beat, beat on fastballs. There aren't a lot of holes in his swing. And so there, there's power in there. But you know, he, he played in a Cactus League game toward the end of camp, and he had a couple, couple hits against Brandon Woodruff. Brandon Woodruff. Yeah. You know, so uh, the, Brewer, the, Brewer's, the Brewer's really good, good pitcher who throws, yeah. you know, 97, 98 and has nasty off-speed pitches. And Dustin Harris wasn't intimidated. And, and didn't get beat on the heater. So um, I, I think that's kind of an example of it. So there, there's a lot of potential with him. Yeah. Guys, get out to the ball games. Go out and see those minor league players play. It's time to uh, wind this thing down. We want to thank you once again to Raxo Media House, House Studio for putting <laughs> this together for us. Um, first episode in the new studio. We appreciate you guys for watching. Go subscribe to that YouTube channel and give us a like. And we're, until, hey, hey, and we're still on Anchor. There's still the audio Yeah, yeah part the Anchor, it. the audio will come out. We'll get that out also. But until next time, guys, we'll see you at the yard.